Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.41 a.m. Central Daylight Time. Yeah, we're back into the bullshit. This is episode 384 of Bitcoin, and my apologies for taking the week off. I got the bronchitis. I had the bronchitis, man. It was ugly. It hurt, actually. In fact, there was a whole bunch of shit that was going down. First of all, it was spring break for both my wife, who teaches at a local university, and my children. So, uh, my wife went to go see her brother and was only going to be there for like the weekend and come back like on, on Sunday or Monday or something like that. And, uh, ended up staying an extra day, which is fine. She hadn't seen her brother in a while. And then we get a freak blizzard here in the panhandle of Texas. And she's like out, like, you know, out East and she'll I'm like going, dude, you're not driving back into this crap. So there was that. So that took like an extra day. And then the the day of the blizzard is the day that I was like coughing and it hurt. And I'm like going, oh shit, that's right. It's springtime. This is when I get my annual bout of bronchitis. And if I don't take care of this shit, like right now, it's going to lay my ass up for a month, which is exactly what happened about seven years ago. And by the time that I got to the other side, I was a non-smoker. I mean, I I've, I still kind of like, you know, I vape. Uh, but as far as, you know, smoking like, you know, chain smoking cigarettes like I used to, it cured me of that shit, dude. I mean, I a full month, you go through the physical addiction or the uh, the physical addiction, you know, getting that kicked out. And then the uh, the chemical addiction is gone in the first four to five days. But it's really the physical, the mental addiction that takes like a full month to get rid of. And because I was laid up on the couch and the thought of a cigarette made me kind of ill, uh, I didn't smoke for a whole, you know, basically a whole month. And when I got to the other side, I'm like, well, shit, I just quit smoking. So I just went with it. Anyway, that's the reasoning behind not putting out a show for the entirety of last week, which is weird because, man, dude, last week was just nuts right? I mean, it was just ballers. But before we get into all, like all that, I'm not going to do a whole lot of what happened like last week. I'm going to try to make a mix of, you know, a little bit of recap and and what's going on today. But before we do all that, we need to listen to the fat man uh, misspell the word enslavement. Our analysis on CBDC in particular for the use of general, to the general use uh, we tend to establish the equivalence with cash. Uh, and there is a huge difference there. Uh, for example, in cash, uh, we don't know, for example, who's using a $100 bill today. We don't know who is using a 1,000 peso bill today. Uh, a key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control 
on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Those, are, those two issues are extremely important, and that makes a huge difference with respect to what, uh, to what cash is. Okay, so if you missed what he was saying there, uh, his accent is a, can be a little bit thick. He was saying that dollars and cash gives, you, gives the user privacy, and they can't really trace anything. They don't really know who's doing what. Whereas CBDCs, oh, well, they got full control of that shit and they know who's spending $100 and they know where they're spending it and they know who spent it and they know who they gave it to. This is a nightmare. Right? This is a nightmare. And this goes right back to a fundamental working theory that I have about people looking at other human beings and the first idea they get in their head is that they're just scum of the earth. This is not true, man. The majority of people on the planet Earth are not interested in controlling you. They're not interested in killing you. They're not interested in, you know, shipping children across the border. I mean, people like Augustine Karstens, by the way, that's the, the uh, head honcho over at the uh, Bank of International Settlements, which is the central bank's central bank, right? If the Fed needs to do something with Italy, it's going to go through BIS. You know, if it's going to do something with, you know, like, I don't know, China or whatever, BIS is going to be involved. They're going to be the transaction brokers no matter what the hell's going on between central banks. So this guy is about as top of the food chain as you get. In my opinion, he may actually be slightly even more important than somebody like Jerome Powell, all right? And like, you know, it's just, it's amazing. Anyway, so the fat man, and if you haven't seen a picture of Augustin Karstens, he looks like Burgermeister Meisterburger from that Christmas story with Rudolph and like, you know, that whole series that they did with, oh, what was it? It was, um, I can't remember the exact name. It was uh, Chris Kringle. Anyway, the guy looks like, that guy looks like the dude from, from Chris Kringle, the, the, the mean mayor or whatever. Anyway, he, he's just essentially telling you that he wants to know exactly what you're doing, how much you're doing, where you're doing it, what time you're doing it, who you're doing it with, because he looks at you, honestly, he looks at you like somebody who's just patently evil, never met you, never talked to you, doesn't know a damn thing about you, your history, your family's history, what your wants and dreams and desires are, doesn't give a shit. You're clearly a child trafficker. This is how these people think about you, right? There is no reason that you would want to have essential and full control over shit like this unless there's something very, very wrong and twisted and warped about your worldview when it comes to humanity in general. Yes, a lot of people on the planet suck ass. I get it. Believe me, I know some of them, and they do. They suck ass. But by and large... The vast majority of humans, they want to fall in love and they want to eat a good meal and they want to hang out with their friends and make new friends and keep their old friends and have families and, and, and grow wealth. And, and I mean, honestly, all these trades that are just despicable, in my opinion, are generated because people like Augustine Carstens don't want you doing anything at all. So you end up getting forced into black market shit. They don't want you with any kind of wealth whatsoever. So you get forced into black market shit and, and 
a lot of people do really terrible things when they're forced into a, a terrible world. If, if you are living in a world of terrible shit, you're probably going to do terrible shit. So who's to blame here? It sure as shit isn't the human, the human condition. It's people like Augustine Karstens, okay? It's just, it's just disgusting. Now, getting on into it, by the way, it was last night sometime that Jack uh, from Twitter, his uh, NF tweet, whatever you want to call it, was sold for $2.5 million was the highest bid, which had been the highest bid since the, I think it was like March the 6th. After that, the whole damn thing lost steam. So <clears throat> we have yet to find out if Jack is going to actually do what he said he was going to do, which was that ending this March 21st, I will immediately convert proceeds to Bitcoin and send to at give directly Africa response. So keep on the lookout to see if Jack keeps his word and sells this uh, NFT that he's going to get Ethereum for, I guess, uh, for actual BTC. If he doesn't, make sure that you get you walk all up and down his ass. Don't let him say shit and then not do it. Okay, now this one. This one was from last week. I see, I think it was like Friday or Thursday. Morgan Stanley is going to acquire Korea's largest crypto exchange, Bitthumb. Uh, this is from, oh God, fxstreet.com. First they laugh and then they fight and finally they join. Morgan Stanley's interest in Bitcoin is recently come in bifold as the investment bank has been rumored to be in talks to purchase a stake in the prominent crypto exchange in South Korea. Following the announcement of Morgan Stanley's first move to offer its clients exposure to Bitcoin, the investment banking giant reportedly been in talks regarding the acquisition of a significant share of Korea's largest cryptocurrency exchange, Bitthumb. Citing an undisclosed source with the exchange, local media outlet Naver reported that Morgan Stanley participated in the acquisition of Bitthumb. While the Korean crypto exchange targets a $2 billion valuation, Morgan Stanley is planning to invest between $254 million and $441 million for a large share of the company. According to Aju News, Morgan Stanley has initially attached or approached Bident, the largest shareholder of Bitthumb, for the acquisition. The anonymous source familiar with the matter was quoted as saying, quote, the reason Morgan Stanley used Biden is that it understood that Biden has the right to negotiate a preferred sale to acquire BitThumb Holdings, end quote. The news around BitThumb being for sale has been circulating for a while. Gaming giant Nexon has previously negotiated on acquiring a stake in the exchange, but the deal has since fallen apart. Morgan Stanley, one of the largest investment banks in the United States, has recently announced that the firm would offer its wealthy clients access to Bitcoin funds due to increased client request and exposure. <clears throat> Although Bitcoin's popularity seems to be climbing across institutions, Morgan Stanley limits BTC investments to 2.5% of the client's total net worth and suggests that the cryptocurrency is only suitable for those with an aggressive risk tolerance. <laughs> you read that as high net worth individuals or accredited investors. Deutsche Bank has also been planning custody and other services for its clients offering exposure to the new asset class. The bank's recently published report stated that the firm expects Bitcoin price to continue to rise as long as asset managers and companies are increasingly entering the crypto market. Well, duh. Given Bitcoin's $1 trillion market cap, Deutsche Bank further concluded that BTC is now, quote, too important to ignore. We were telling you that a long time ago, guys. I mean, come on, bro. 
Now, another large company, and this was also last week, this was actually on back on the 17th, so like pretty much midweek, uh, Visa plans to enable Bitcoin payments at 70 million merchants, people. Darius Z telling us about it from BTC Times. Visa seemingly plans to follow in PayPal's fresh footsteps as it works to adopt Bitcoin. The firm's CEO, Alfred Kelly, said on Fortune's Leadership Next podcast on Tuesday that the uh, payment processing behemoth is willing to facilitate not only Bitcoin purchases, but also spending functionalities and in a big way. Quote, we're trying to do two things. One is to enable the purchase of Bitcoin on Visa credentials. And secondly, working with Bitcoin wallets to allow the Bitcoin to be translated into a fiat currency and therefore immediately be able to be used at any of the 70 million places around the world where Visa is accepted, end quote. This this importance cannot be overstated. uh, This is me talking. However, keep it in mind. It's okay to look at this in a very suspect manner. It's okay. Right? It's like it doesn't have to always be bullish. I personally think that this is good, but I'm also skeptical because they're automatic. I mean, they're going to act as a liquidation house the minute that this stuff is transferred. So that's, I mean, in, in a way, it's one step towards the goal, but it's only halfway there. The merchant needs to be able to accept Bitcoin in payment and has to have a reason to want to do that. Of course, the reasons are being printed trillions of times a day. So whatever, but uh, let's see, where were we? According to Kelly, Visa is working hard to earn its role as an intermediary in financial transactions, even after Bitcoin sees mainstream adoption. Other than Bitcoin, the payment processor also plans to allow for the use of stable coins. He admitted that the company recognizes a strong potential for those to become a new payment vehicle. Kelly said Visa is collaborating with about 35 partners involved with stable coins, explaining that these currencies that are fiat backed, but we're allowing this translation, if you will, into a fiat currency and in a wallet where there's a Visa card. And again, that Visa card can be used with the translated digital currency over the fiat currency to purchase any one of our at our 70 million locations, end quote. This is seemingly referring to Visa's partnership with Circle, the firm behind the USDC stablecoin. According to a report released by Forbes at the end of 2020, the payment processing giant partnered with Circle to integrate USDC into its infrastructure and allow credit card issuers to use USD coin on their platforms and send and receive USDC payments. Visa's head of crypto, Kui Sheffield, said at the time, quote, We continue to think of Visa as a network of networks. Blockchain networks and stable coins like USDC are just additional networks. So we think that there is a significant value that Visa can provide to our clients, enabling them to access them and enabling them to spend at our merchants, end quote. Last month, Visa also launched the pilot test of its API meant to allow banks to offer services revolving around Bitcoin and other digital assets. As the BTC Times reported at that time, Neobank First Boulevard will be the first to use it to purchase custody and trade digital assets such as Bitcoin. All right, so there you go. But again, I mean, the importance of that can't be overstated. I mean, you're talking about access to 70 million merchants. That's not something to sneeze at. However, because it is so big, I mean, oh, that's that's a lot of large largeness right there when it comes to uh, how much Bitcoin can start flow, you know, flowing around. It make it does make me nervous. 
I mean, I, I, I feel good about it, but in the back of my mind, I'm watching these dudes like a hawk, okay? And you should probably uh, watch Erdogan or however you pronounce the Turkish president's name like a hawk too, because he just sacked his central banker and the Turkish lira dropped 14% immediately. Greg Thompson tells us about it from Cointelegraph. Uh, Google searches for Bitcoin emanating from Turkey exploded in the past 24 hours after the value of the Turkish lira dropped 14% following the sacking of a central bank governor. According to data from Google Trends, the number of searches for Bitcoin spiked 566% in the hours immediately following the news of the lira's demise. Oh, God. The, the value dropped 14% in a flash dip after Turkey's president Erdogan, or however you pronounce it, fired the governor of the country's central bank. Former governor Nashi Agbal has been credited with pulling the lira out of historic lows, partly by raising interest rates to fight inflation. His abrupt removal was said to have shocked domestic and foreign investors, reports BBC News. Now, hold on there for a second. So why do you get fired? Because he wanted to raise interest rates. Let that sink in. That's how bad this shit is. That he get, the president himself removed the dude that was trying to stabilize the currency. Ask yourself why. Okay. Ask yourself why. The Turkish lira regained a fifth of its value against the USD since the beginning of 2021 alone. The recent 14% plunge was triggered by concerns that the progress made by Nashi could be undone by the appointment of a new governor, Sahap Kavuva. Uh, there's no way, I, I can't pronounce that. A banker and politician who is said to oppose the use of high interest rates to fight inflation. The uptick in the number of Bitcoin searches by Turkish citizens is at an all-time high as of this date, representing almost double the number of searches recorded during the bull run of 2017-2018. And it's not just Turkish citizens who are taking a refreshed look at cryptocurrencies. You mean Bitcoin. At the beginning of March, Turkey's Ministry of, uh, Tr Minister of Treasury and Finance announced that it would work with the central bank in conjunction with regulatory bodies in order to lay down clear guidelines concerning the use of Bitcoin. They say crypto, but they spell it wrong. Quote, we share the rising concerns about crypto with the rest of the world. The developments uh, and the state of crypto in Turkey are closely monitored by our ministry, announced the ministry at the time. So, yeah, this is un at this point, it's unstoppable. And, you know, I like if I wanted to put a tinfoil hat on my head and say that Bitcoin was developed by a covert NSA thing because they really wanted us to move to a digital currency and this is all just an act. I could probably do that, but I don't believe it. I, I just, I think this is just a sign of the times. I think this is a changing of the guard. You know, it's a, it's a sea change and, and these happen and there's no government or, or population that can actually stop it. It's something that seems to just happen outside of ourselves. It's like a it's like an external force and we can't see it, taste it, touch it or anything, but it's like the wind. You can feel it. I feel it. Can you feel it? Because I'll bet you Latin America feels it because the first Bitcoin ETF has been approved in Latin America. Yay. And the SEC fails again. Complete failure of the Securities and Exchange Commission of the United States of America to front run even Latin American countries. We've already failed miserably three times for Canada ETFs. 
and they still can't get their shit together. And here comes this one. The first ever Bitcoin exchange traded fund to receive regulatory approval in Latin America is reportedly set to go live in Brazil this summer. Brazil, people. Not exactly the best economy in the world right now. QR Capital, the parent of Brazilian blockchain asset manager company QR Asset Management, announced the ETF launch today and indicated that the product would be listed on Brazilian stock exchange B3. According to a translated report from CNN Brazil, it should be listed by June and it will be referenced in the Bitcoin index of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange's futures contracts. Quote, QR Asset Management received a guarantee from the Brazilian Securities and Exchange Commission to launch its Bitcoin ETF at B3, according to the report. Quote, the primary offer of the assets, estimated to be around 500 million real, will be for qualified investors. Yeah, they don't want you getting in, into it. But that's what's great about Bitcoin. Nobody can stop you from owning it. If I mean, even if every on-ramp in the United States and the rest of the world went down, you'd still have hodl hodl, right? So keep that shit in mind. And give, throw, throw the hodl hodl guys some love because they're doing the Lord's work out there. The announcement comes as more institutional investors have been pouring into Bitcoin, frequently allocating their treasury reserve assets into BTC for fear that the U.S. dollar's inflation is eroding their stockpiles. This in conjunction with an ongoing price bull run, growing mainstream retail adoption, and more Bitcoin functionality being built are all combining to de-risk Bitcoin as an asset, a trend that is clearly propelling the growth of Bitcoin ETFs. North America saw its first regulatorial, regulatorially approved ETF. Sorry, guys, it's six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> in Canada last month, which promptly broke records in its first week. Meanwhile, multiple firms are attempting to launch a Bitcoin ETF in the United States. With this latest announcement from Brazil adding to the ongoing momentum, it appears that a U.S. approved Bitcoin ETF is imminent. Boy, it better be. Son of a bitch, it better be. And... Who better than Scaramucci's Skybridge to do it because they have filed for a Bitcoin ETF. This is out of BTC Times. Thomas M. is going to tell us about it. The race for the first Bitcoin ETF in the United States is heating up. A filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission on Friday revealed that Anthony Scaramucci's Skybridge Capital and investment firm First Trust Advisors are the latest industry players to file for an ETF in the country. Multiple attempts to get the green light for a Bitcoin ETF has failed in recent years, but as Bitcoin has seen accelerated institutional adoption throughout 2020, various industry players are now hoping to launch the first U.S. Bitcoin ETF at last. Yeah, we'll have to see, pal. Skybridge and First Trust ETF filing follows those from VanEck, Nidig, WisdomTree, Grayscale, and Valkyrie. While a Bitcoin ETF is yet to be approved in the United States, the first one in Canada was launched last month by asset manager firm Purpose Investments. And we'll get into a little bit more about that on this story that continues the last story. But this one is uh, written by Darius Z from BTC Times. Canadian Bitcoin ETF holds more than 14,000 Bitcoin one month after launch. Just over a month post-launch, Purpose Investments Bitcoin Exchange Traded Fund holds more than 14,000 Bitcoin, approximately $820 million at press time in assets under management. 
The Canadian asset management firm reported its milestone on Thursday when it disclosed that the ETF had cracked the one billion mark in Canadian dollars on its one month anniversary. Founder and CEO of Purpose Investments, Sam Seif, commented on the achievement, quote, when we launched Purpose Bitcoin ETF, we knew we were filling a void in the market. Hitting this milestone so quickly proves that investors are seeking convenient, safe access to cryptocurrencies and shows their confidence in our ETF as the premier vehicle for that exposure. In <sighs> quote, the developments put Canada well ahead of a U.S. equivalent, although many are trying for the first ETF in the country. And again, there's Van Eck, Wisdom Tree, Skybridge are the most recent ones to open the floodgates for further Bitcoin adoption. So it's heating up. Will they do it though? I, you know, the 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 foot dragging here from the SEC is kind of stupendous. And now that we got front run by Brazil, are you kidding? At this point, how is it that every like pension manager and fund manager and anybody who is going to want an ETF product isn't breathing down the SEC's necks right now would be beyond me. I'm I am pretty sure that at this point, the SEC is getting flooded with phone calls by billionaire hedge fund managers and all the rest of the like and saying, where is the damn ETF? You know, like everybody's getting into it and, and nobody in the United States has access. The only thing that you can get is Grayscale's Bitcoin trust. That's it, at least in the United States. And Grayscale, which is... I think still trading at a discount of somewhere around 5%, they're, I guarantee you they're going to convert. And if, the, if they're not the first, maybe it will be Scaramucci. I don't know. I don't really care because once one of them go, think about this. Once one of those guys go, chances are good that all the rest of them are going to pile in and all the, you know, like well, Skybridge is a, is a trust right now. It, Scaramucci said he saw the writing on the wall when taught in a discussion about Grayscale, and it was just starting to get to the point where Grayscale started going into the discount on the, uh, on the uh, native asset value. So what he was saying is that, look, as these ETFs open up, even if they're in other countries, it basically is going to destroy the business model of a Bitcoin trust. But that's all we had. So the, the term now is that Scaramucci wants to convert his Bitcoin trust into an ETF because he knows that he's not going to be able to compete with ETFs on the open market. And Barry Silbert, as mad as we can get at him, is not stupid. He knows the exact same thing. The ETF, I, I'm going to go ahead and lay it out on the line. The ETF is going to happen this year. And by the end of this year, there will at least be two ETFs open in the United States. That is my prediction. I don't make them often, but if I'm wrong, I, whatever, I'll, I'm sure I'll survive. Let's run the numbers. All right, it would appear that everybody's getting hit over the head uh, with red candles except for Bitcoin. Bitcoin's doing fine this morning, and it may be because of the following news. Uh, oil is down 0.24%. That's $61.27 for West Texas Intermediate. Brent North Sea 
trading at $64.35. It's down a fifth of a point. Natural gas swinging low by 1.22% is coming in at $2.50 for a thousand cubic feet of that. Gold getting thrown around like, like a midget, man. 0.52 to the downside is going to come in at $1,732. Silver getting, dude, getting hammered by 2.5%. Platinum getting hammered by 2.13%. Copper is down scant. Palladium is down three quarters of a point. You want to know about wheat? Ah, screw agriculture futures. Agriculture's in the in the in the gutter, man. We'll talk about that later. Much, much later. But we're gonna come back to agriculture one of these days. Hopefully very, very soon. Uh let's see. Indices. Dow Futures is down, oh, I don't know, a fifth of a point. S P is up scant. NASDAQ futures is up three quarters of a point, and the SP mini is down a half. And this is probably all driven by the interest rate futures, which are all in the green. Everything is up for the interest rates on the 30-year, the 10-year, the five-year, and the two-year treasuries. So that's, yeah, that's, um, it's become apparent to me after the Bitcoin education that it doesn't matter what the stock market does. It doesn't matter what Tesla does. It doesn't matter what the Dow Jones does. It doesn't matter. All this shit, it's all bullshit because it's all tied to the treasury. Everything in the world is tied to the treasury. No matter what you think, no matter where it is, it, this is all tied to the treasury. And 40 years ago, treasuries were like trading at like the 10 year was trading at like between 14 and 16%. And it is just slidden downhill. I think they're out of gas. I really do. They cannot keep these things from going up. And when these things go up, everything else goes down. And I like when they say, talk about Bitcoin as an uncorrelated asset. When I hear people talk about that, they say, well, it's uncorrelated. They talk about its correlation to gold. They talk about its correlation to energy. They talk about its correlation to the, the stock markets around the world. I think we should really take a, a hard look and find out what the correlation to interest rates on the U.S. at least the 10-year bond looks like. I don't have the prowess to do that. So if somebody wants to work up Bitcoin's volatility against like one of the like the 10-year futures or the 10-year bond on the U.S. Treasuries, that'd be great, man, because that might tell us something. But let's talk about even realer money. $58,044.23 is the price I'm seeing right now. Is that my high? No, it is not. My high is actually going to be at Bitfinex, $58,108. And I did, in fact, nope, Coinbase Pro has the low at $58,012. So you know, about $100 worth of, of room there. 253,508 transactions occurred in the last 24 hours. That's about 10,563 transactions on average every hour. 302,000 BTC were sent in that period. And that means that about 12,500 BTC are being sent on average per hour with the average transaction value being 1.19 BTC and the median transaction value being 0.014 BTC or right at 835 bucks. Block times are a full minute low, nine minutes exactly. We have 0.42 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 67.48 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. 
We have a, a hash rate increase of 2.04% to the upside, and it brings us to just shy. Good Lord. Just, I'm talking like a hair away from 170 exahashes per second. God dang, that's high. And you may ask, what is Dogecoin doing? Dogecoin is at 5.7 pennies. I'm, I, I don't know whether to be disgusted or, or laugh. I probably do in both, but the rest of them are, you know, well, it's all shit. So we're not going to talk about it. I just, Doge is the shit coin barometer, right? If Doge is at 5.7 cents, you can imagine what the other shit coins are doing from there. So that's the only reason I'm including it. Okay, three. we have 30,912 transactions that are going to have to onboard 85 blocks to clear. And let's see, what is our market cap? $1.09 trillion, and that is 9.7% of gold's full market cap. And you can get, for one Bitcoin, if you so choose, 33.7 three, uh, ounces of gold. We we're like just hanging in there at the kilogram mark, bro. We have 18,669,923.84 BTC in circulation at the time. And the price Clark Moody is showing is $58,370. Now, Lightning Network. Uh, let's see, what do we got? Uh... We have 1,160.8 BTC in the Lightning Network, and that has a capacity of $67.8 million. Total nodes, 9,832, running 40,378 channels. Holy shit, guys. That is a huge bump from the last time I did the show. We were at 38,000 channels and just basically doing nothing but chilling out there for like, I want to say weeks. And here we are with a 2,300 or let's say a 2,000 channel bump. So shit's moving on the Lightning Network real fast. And we have an even higher percentage of the Lightning Network happening over Tor because the Tor capacity is now 54.8%. And that uh, would include 635.88 BTC and 4,134 Tor nodes running on the Lightning Network. Hallelujah, baby. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to begin this one with, what is it? What, what, I don't know what we're doing anymore. <laughs> BTC Times uh, has this one. Thomas M is writing this. Canadian startup Mint Green closes seed round to monetize heat from Bitcoin mining. Okay, before I read this, I, I, you need to understand something about where I come from. I came into Bitcoin out of regenerative agriculture, permaculture, aquaculture, that kind of thing, because running in those circles, you had a lot of the same thought. They were reading Nassim Taleb's book. Yeah, I know, screw Taleb. It's okay, I'm on your side on that one. But still, I mean, like Mises, Austrian economics, you know, I hadn't like I had heard about Bitcoin, but I had no idea what the standpoint of the people that were in the space were. So when I came over, I was like going, holy shit, this is the exact same kind of people. So the permaculture edge right here is sort of where I, where I want to come get at because we're talking about waste heat and I've talked about it before, but if you haven't heard any of those shows, um, it should be noted that the, when you say waste, 
What you really mean is something that you haven't found a use for yet in to input into another system. So like I got chickens, okay? One of the things that chickens make is poop. It's highly fertile, but if you've got too much of it and you don't know where to put it and you can't spread it around, it becomes waste, all right? Keep that in mind when we read this. So, uh, the, so here's the design function. Any system has an input and an output, usually more than one output. It's like chickens have give me eggs, meat, feathers, whatever, and, and they do a lot of labor and they also poop, okay? That's a lot of outputs, but one of those is, a extreme, is an extremely fertile waste product. I can plug that, like I could just have them, like, I don't know, put all the poop into a worm bin and worms will eat that poop and basically soften it up so that it's not such a hot fertilizer and I can put it, you know, on plants and it won't immediately kill it. Because if you try putting straight up non-composted or non-worm non eaten chicken poop on something, you will kill it because it is that potent of a nitrogen source. Or I just mix it in with all the wood chips uh, from their chicken coop uh, and just throw the whole thing around my trees because the wood chips will absorb the nitrogen and slow release it so it won't kill young trees and it's a thick ass layer of mulch. You see how this works? I haven't thrown anything, like if it's organic or carbon-based in this house, it rarely goes in the trash. I even save cardboard for sheet mulching, okay? I'm not like a tree hugger, I'm just like, there's a lot of materials that we used to think of as waste, or that I used to think of as waste. It's not waste, and neither is the waste heat from Bitcoin mining. Check this shit out. As Bitcoin receives increased screen time on the global stage for its energy consumption, approaches are being developed around the world to make Bitcoin mining more efficient. Vancouver-based clean tech startup Mint Green is working on one such development by recovering waste from Bitcoin mining and selling selling it via heat offtake agreements with institutional clients. As a result, Mint Green uses mining electricity twice, first to mine Bitcoin and then produce heating. All this, the startup says, is done using clean sourced energy. Now, Mint Green has concluded a seed round, raising an undisclosed amount from CoinShares Ventures and a number of the startup's pilot clients to further its efforts for the monetization and repurposing of mining-generated heat. According to the press release shared with the BTC Times, Mint Green has two pilot products lined up for the second quarter of the year. The first will be installed uh, at Shelter Point Distillery on Vancouver Island, which will use the heat generated through liquid immersion mining to make its whiskey. The second, also situated on Vancouver Island, will be set up at the Vancouver Island Sea Salt Facility to heat its large evaporation tanks used to produce gourmet flake salt. The startup is further working with a number of district energy companies to implement full-scale multi-megawatt projects in the coming months. Mint Green isn't the only company working on adding efficiency to the Bitcoin mining industry, which, while growing at an accelerating rate, has become decried for its energy consumption in recent months, despite its numbers not holding a candle to the carbon footprint of all other assets like gold. Many large-scale mining farms set up 
their operations in areas where the excess energy is generated, as is the case near some hydropower plants. Bitcoin infrastructure firm Blockstream became one of the first companies to enter into the Quebec hydropower market in 2017 to establish low emission Bitcoin mining operations. Norwegian industrial investment company Acre ASA made waves uh, in the Bitcoin space earlier this month when it announced a formation of a subunit dedicated to Bitcoin infrastructure investments, including mining operations using stranded energy in partnership with Blockstream. And as demand for energy efficient mining solutions increases, Mint Green CEO Colin Sullivan shows himself confident in the startup's mission. Quote, Bitcoin fixes many things, but we find ourselves with the unique opportunity to fix one of Bitcoin's biggest problems without changing a single line of code. I like that. I like this guy. He gets it, or at least he seems to get it. He may be a complete liar. I don't know. I've never met him, never had a beer with him, and he's never sat for my house when I'm on vacation. So I know nothing about this dude. But when he says Bitcoin fixes many things, he's alluding to Bitcoin fixes this. It's a little, I don't know, maybe a little bit of when he says the unique opportunity to fix one of Bitcoin's biggest problems, I don't view the energy usage as a problem at all. I don't. Okay. I, I, I don't have problems with people putting up Christmas lights. I don't have problems with them running their air conditioners in the summer. I mean, there's, there's ways to become more efficient people. Bitcoin gives us this this, what Bitcoin fixes here is an opportunity to fix the energy usage situation across the globe. That's not a problem endemic to Bitcoin. This is a problem endemic to the fact that we just don't seem to give shit one about energy efficiency. I guarantee you Bitcoin is going to fix that shit. It is going to fix it and it's going to fix it real good. Just like Nigeria Central Bank fixed their little red wagon because now crypt, they're saying that crypto trading has not been banned. So we've got another flip-flopping country on our hand. Ekin Jank is going to read, the, uh, read this one. I'm reading it, damn it. He's writing it. This is from Decrypt.co. A uh, senior official from the Central Bank of Nigeria rejected claims that the bank has ever banned crypto, reported local media outlet Today NG. <clears throat> the CBN official, Adamu Lamtek, reportedly said that the bank protected the banking sector from cryptocurrencies, but it didn't ban crypto trading itself. The clarification comes more than a month after Nigeria's central bank told all banks to immediately cancel their services for customers who buy, sell, or trade cryptocurrencies. It is not clear what prompted the bank's decisions. I don't know, maybe a spike in Google searches for how to buy Bitcoin without a freaking bank? Uh, quote, the CBN did not place restrictions from use of cryptocurrencies and we are not discouraging people from trading in it. Lamb Tech was quoted as saying in Today NG, quote, we have, uh, what we have just done was to prohibit transactions on cryptocurrencies in the banking sector, end quote. Lamb Tech spoke on behalf of the governor of the bank, Godwin M. Mifiel, and reportedly disclosed this at a recent meeting for journalists held by the bank in the Nigerian city Abuja. But these words shouldn't be taken as the Nigerian government endorsing crypto. The central bank has no jurisdiction over who can trade cryptocurrencies to begin with, explained Danny Oiken, CEO of investment firm Dan Holdings and social payments app CoinsApp. 
crypto is under the jurisdiction of Nigeria's Securities and Exchange Commission. Back in September, Nigeria's SEC announced plans to regulate the crypto sector by deeming cryptocurrencies securities until proven otherwise, despite the regulatory uncertainty. Nigeria is often called Africa's Bitcoin nation as the country's crypto trading volume outpaces most other countries in the world. It has been just over a month since the Nigerian central bank's ban on financial institutions dealing with crypto uh, companies came into force, but the Nigerian crypto industry hasn't died out. Quote, the industry has shown resilience, who'd have guessed, and quickly adapted by developing peer-to-peer exchanges. Again, who would have thunk it? Uh, that's not an easy feat to accomplish in one to two months, Oyekin told Decrypt. In response to the ban, OTC details are, or deals are still underway, and the informal peer-to-peer market is also growing, explained Oyekin. Quote, so basically the ban only forced the fiat channels underground. That's what bans do. The United States banned alcohol. How'd that work out for you? You banned marijuana. How did that work out? You've banned everything. Shit, now Dr. Seuss books, which are, there's six of them that got banned. Like what, like the week before last or something like that? Some of these books are now going for 350 bucks on rarebookcollectors.com or whatever. It's, all, it's just, it's the most amazing, astounding, and stupendous level of stupidity that you keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over and over again. Just like NFTs, Somebody had posited that one of these days, somebody's going to sell the Brooklyn Bridge as an NFT. Well, yeah, well, Monty Python's John Cleese just did that shit. He sells the Brooklyn Bridge as an NFT. Tim Hockey's going to tell us about it from Decrypt. British thespian and comedy writing legend John Cleese is the latest celebrity to mint an NFT. The auction for his Brooklyn Bridge NFT, a landscape sketch which he drew on his iPad, is now live on NFT Marketplace OpenSea, where a bid of $50,000 has already been made by an eager collector named Serwin. So he's, yeah, I'm just kidding, man. He didn't really sell the Brooklyn Bridge, but the NFT craze is getting just a bit out of hand, okay? This is like, And I don't know, I guess I should launch into a diatribe about NFTs. I'm just going to say this about NFTs. The way that they're structured right now, and especially the the platforms that they're structured upon, are stupid. Okay? And the the reason ends up being, there's some serious copyright issues. This thing is like, you think Bitcoin pissed off some people. NFTs are pissing off some people because NFTs... Uh, like I, I'm starting to hear stories that other people's tweets are being sold by not the original Twitter, you know, Twitter, Twitterer by somebody else. That's dude, that's plagiarism. That's stealing somebody else's shit and selling it as your own. Now, the difference between plagiarism and this shit, I guess this is a copyright, flat, uh, straight up copyright violation, is the fact that the guy's not claiming that he wrote the tweet. But when if somebody can just, you know, sell my tweets on whatever that v space or whatever it is dude you didn't you didn't build that and i'm not worried that that's going to happen to me nobody's going to give a shit about my tweets but somebody else could have sold apparently elon musk's you know one of his tweets or jack's first tweet the ver- their very first tweet ever but how do you enforce that how do you i mean this how do you just not copy it and 
you know, that's the big joke is that I've copied this NFT and it's now up for sale on some, on some other, on some other board. Now, what I do like about NFTs is this. If it's possible to get it right, and that means A, get it on Bitcoin to where you've actually got security. The other part of getting it right is the structure under it, the how to deal with copyright and the legalities and not like what is it like? How is it that you can make it to where when you take a picture, like if you screen cap it uh, to try to copy it, that the only way that you'll ever, I don't know, something to, something to do with like the only way that it will never show up with a watermark when you screenshot it is somehow or another that NFT displayed on anybody else's screen without, I don't know, maybe the owner being able to flick a switch on his own screen where the watermark doesn't come up, that the watermark is absolutely automatically applied and it's 100% effective. If you can start doing shit like that, well, now you got something. But until that time, and honestly, there's a lot of stuff that I'm missing there and I know it, I just can't put my finger on exactly what it is. But until that time, NFTs are a fucking joke. All right, so stop spending $56 million on shit that you really, you re, at this point, you really don't own it, okay? It's gonna take a long time to figure this one out. But when we do, and it's on Bitcoin, it's probably gonna be kind of fun. But let's, let's talk about BitCloud because it has reaped $160 million for tokens pegged to celebrities. Is it all a scam? Fuck, of course it's a scam. My God, Robert Stevens tells us about it from Decrypt. Amid a white hot craze for, you guessed it, NFTs, a firm called BitCloud is pitching itself as a crypto celebrity network. The site offers consumers the opportunity to purchase tokens tied to the identities of 15,000 influential Twitter accounts, including the likes of Elon Musk and Katy Perry, but without their permission. There you go. There's the key. This is selling somebody else's, and I don't even know if they're selling their identity, just tokens attached to like, like just spinning up Elon Musk coin and selling it, but Elon Musk doesn't get any of the coin. This is a scam. This is, this is BitConnect. This is OneCoin. This is the same shit we saw 2016 and 2017. Do not fall for BitCloud. Let's read on here. In the space of one week, BitCloud has reportedly earned $160 million and attracted the interest of prominent investors and cultural figures, but already crypto security firms are pointing to suspicious transaction patterns and warning that the site has all of the appearances of a scam. If BitCloud is indeed a swindle, it would underscore how a new generation of crypto technology, NFTs, has given rise to new breeds of scammers. Bids for an NFT of Jack Dorsey's first tweet recently reached 200 or sorry, $2.5 million. Such prices have touched off a race to tokenize Twitter artifacts of all sorts. And in the case of BitCloud, the site has downloaded 15,000 of the most popular Twitter profiles and then assigned thousands of cryptocurrency tokens to each of them. The price of the tokens are loosely pegged to a given profile's relative popularity, meaning that investing in the token is like investing in the social ranking of a given celebrity. Now I'm going to stop right there to remind you that we knew this was coming. It was just a matter of time. And even Andreas Antonopoulos had suggested that this shit was going to happen six years ago. 
that you were going to have little Bobby at like some elementary school spin up Bobby coin and sell it to his friends. And it was going to be like a measure of popularity and a whole bunch of other stuff. So this is nothing new. I'm honestly surprised that it took this long to come out, but whatever. Meanwhile, an influencer who tweets about the site can claim a portion of the tokens associated with their identity. Elon Musk is theoretically entitled to 2.96 million worth of BitClout's Elon Musk tokens, while lesser lights can redeem uh, several thousand dollars. Minor celebrities who have tweeted about BitClout include Neil Strauss, author of a controversial pickup artist book. Oh, God. BitCloud appears to be an attempt to co-op Twitter's social media feed operating in the same way Steemit provides a crypto version of Reddit and Voice.com maps Facebook onto a blockchain. For those seeking to participate in BitCloud's marketplace, a necessary first step is to buy BitCloud tokens. Uh, there it is. And you have to buy it with Bitcoin. And that has already given rise to a big red flag about the site. Namely, Blockchain Explorer tools show that the funds ended up in just one single address before getting transported across the cryptoverse. Rich Sanders, who runs blockchain investigation firm Cypherblade, confirmed to Decrypt that almost all of the funds on the site are going to three exchanges, Amber Group, Kraken, and Coinbase, and that the funds have since moved to other exchanges and wallets. Oh, God. And one of the only non-exchange addresses that BitClout paid directly received money from Hydra, a dark net market. In other words, they paid someone sketchy, said Sanders. Signs point to the address being owned by a suspect individual from Nigeria, whom BitClout may have paid to drum up the Twitter bots to promote the project on social media, said Sanders. Because social media shills equals more proceeds. Decrypt reached out to a Twitter account bearing BitClout's name, but never received a reply. Meanwhile, London-based coin firm, which specializes in tracing suspect crypto transactions, has also raised alarms about BitClout. In an interview with Decrypt, confirm or coin firm executives described the site as BitConnect 2.0, a reference to the notorious Ponzi scheme uh, site whose tokens reached a value of nearly $400 million during the... Actually, I think it was, was it $400 billion? I can't remember. It may have been 400 billion. I, yeah, I think it was 400 billion uh, during the crypto mania of 2017. Today, those tokens are worthless. Although you can supposedly buy BitClout tokens with BTC, you can't take your BitClout tokens out of the BitClout networks. Does this sound familiar? You can only send BitClout tokens to other BitClout users or use them to buy creator coins. There is no way to redeem any of this cash or for cash or Bitcoin. The site is unusable for users that haven't purchased BitCloud tokens. Updating a profile picture, posting a status or messaging a chatbot is impossible without first buying the coin. And when Decrypt wired about 20 bucks in Bitcoin to the platform, the site didn't allow us to use our money to buy BitCloud tokens. Nor is there any way to verify that such transactions would take place on a blockchain. While there is an explorer, the network fee is zero and there's no obvious way to create or a node or mine those coins. The anonymous team hasn't published the code for the project. Oh God, this just gets worse and worse. Despite some high profile backing, just a few accounts are verified even then. Verification isn't a surefire bet that an influencer associates their name with the project. Neither Chamath Palahapatiya or nor Ashton Kutcher, two of the highest profiled verified accounts, have tweeted about the project necessary to verify an account. Two of the largest Twitter accounts for Wall Street Bets, or are Wall Street Bets, 
another account registered as verified told Decrypt that they had nothing to do with WSB's BitCloud persona, which gushes about the project and daily messages on BitCloud. Most of the BitCloud fans on Twitter, a handful of followers each, have little other activity to their name save for their promotion of the project. Uh, take SSH Just Buy, an account created in February that sporadically pumps small cap altcoins until March the 12th when the account flipped to pumping BitCloud. The account published a link to their own website explaining the project in detail just two days later. Making the operation murkier still, BitCloud's, uh, BitCloud's network keeps going offline. Diamond Hands, which appears to be the account on BitCloud that's behind the project, said on BitCloud that this was because nodes kept rebooting and missing transactions. So who's buying in? One early investor is Chris McMahon, a tussled Silicon Valley investor who caught wind of the project from friends. McCann, a general partner at Race Capital, told Decrypt that he has no connection to the project or its founders, but got involved in an early access version of the project that launched last week. McCann, who boasts a market cap of $54,400, said he's invested a little bit too much money into the project, but credits the anonymous team with a smooth website, baby, smooth. One of his friends, Andy Arts, an investor at Silicon Valley firm Social Capital, uh, bet $18,000 on his success. Quote, once you kind of get sucked in and start making some early bets on people and they get verified, it's fun. You actually want, want to want to use it, McCann said who gained access to almost $34,000 in unredeemable BitCloud tokens when he tweeted about the project to verify his account. Michael Arrington, a well-known Silicon Valley investor and media figure, uh, figure received the equivalent of $290,000 in creator tokens. He did not respond to Decrypt's request for comment. McCann said that BitCloud fills a demand for social crypto projects unmet by the current roster of such projects such as social token sites Rally or Roll, the latter of which was hacked over the weekend, by the way, crashing the prices of the tokens tied to the influencers that use that platform. McCann is well aware of the concerns. Quote, it's still ridiculously early, he said, and it wouldn't be the first of McCann's investments in his other bets include uh, crypto exchanges, FTX and Binance that got off to shaky starts and later flourished. Oh, don't even. But for Cypherblade Sanders, it doesn't look good and smacks of the pump and dump ICOs that wasted billions of investors money in 2017, 2018. What a dumpster fire, he concluded. Guys, stay as far away from this shit as you possibly can. BitCloud is definitely BitConnect 2.0. It smells the exact same, like the exact same thing. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't backed by the exact same people. It's, I mean, you get unredeemable tokens. It has the same pattern of movement of Bitcoin through exchanges. This is stay away. I'm telling you, man, stay away. This shit's investment advice, by the way. Do not, do not, do not do that shit. Okay, just a couple of more notes here. Microsoft is reportedly polling, polling their Xbox users about Bitcoin payment options. Um, Documenting Bitcoin put out a, a, a tweet the other day that shows a screen cap of an Xbox user's uh, ex poll experience. And one of the questions is, which of these other payment methods would you like to use on Xbox? Select all that uh, apply. And the user in this case, the screenshot says pay with Bitcoin. So Xbox is probably revisiting that, that situation. <clears throat> and also, 
It should be noted that long-term investors are continuing to hodl despite a $1 trillion, uh, $1 trillion Bitcoin market cap. Only 36% of Bitcoin supply has moved in the last six months. During the last bull season, that number was 50%. So we have less people in this bull market moving their coins around than we saw last bull market. And that honestly makes me bullish. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by I Don't Know. I just saw this on somewhere on the internets and I thought I'd read it to you. I accidentally rubbed ketchup in my eyes. I now have Heinz sight. Glorious. Glorious. Okay. So Monday's looking good so far. Let me uh, check the price here for just a second. Cause you know how this shit moves. We are now back. Oh yeah. We're back down to 57,853. So how much time 30 minutes uh, takes is all it takes to move, you know, at this point, like what, 500 points or something like that. Um, y'all have a wonderful day. Thanks to all the people that reached out to me asking me if I'd like, you know, stop doing the show or if I was all right. Uh, people that wished me well when I got back to them and, and told, you know, told them that I was suffering from bronchitis. Uh, makes me feel good. It really does. Anyway, uh, I, well, shit, man. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.